Hello and welcome to Taking Care of Business. I'm Jackie Mitchell. Today's show is a very special show. It's actually the best bits of the Byte Conference. Now, the Byte Conference was held down here on the Mornington Peninsula. It was Business Innovation Technology Efficiency. And there were some incredible speakers from around the world as part of this conference. And we managed to get a number of them and interviewed them. And so what we've done is we've created a three-part series, which is the best bits and the best interviews. You'll really enjoy this. And uh, the three hosts we had on that day was Warwick Mary, Sally Bailey from Arts About and myself. So these are incredibly interesting, thought-provoking, knowledgeable guests and I'm sure I know that you're going to really enjoy this. So grab a coffee, sit back and listen and take notes, get your notebook out because there are some really great pearls of wisdom. It's part of a three-part series and you'll enjoy every single minute of it. So sit back, relax, enjoy the best bits of Bite. Our next guest is a guy I've known for oh, five or six years, and we've probably only really met twice during that time, but we sort of uh, we stay connected on the site. It's the lovely Jim Stewart from Stewart Media. Jim, welcome to the show. Thank you, Warwick. Hey, um, now you were the opening speaker today, and you're, you're the man who unravels the mystery of SEO. Yeah, well, the first thing is I know how to spell it. Well, you know, that's, that's, that's got to, got to get you somewhere, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. So SEO or search engine optimization has been around for a long time. And, and basically it's about trying to get businesses ranked high for different keywords when people type them into Google. But it's been clouded in mystery and magic and, uh, subterfuge for the last oh, 20 years. And we've all had those emails from people going, oh, I can help you get the first page uh, of Google. I get those emails. <laughs> I get those emails from India. Yeah, uh, yeah, we yeah. all get them. And uh, the one thing that I've learned over the last 20 years is that if you are focusing on your business and focusing on your customers and making sure your customers are having a great experience at your website, you pretty much got SEO down. Well, and, and that was the interesting thing. And you opened your session by talking about forget Google. Yeah. So talk to me about that, like, you know, because everyone talks, oh, Google's everything, you've got to be good for Google, but you have a different approach, so tell me about that. Yeah, well, we got to a point where we were sick of chasing Google, and yeah. we just thought, well, you know, what's Google trying to do? Well, they're trying to find the most relevant results for their users. They're trying to find good websites. So we thought, well, rather than try to trick Google, why don't we go beyond that and just be those sites that Google's trying to find? And when you do that, then Google has to chase you. Right. You're not trying to chase Google. You're not worried about algorithm changes or any of those things because if you've got the strongest brand and people are looking for you, you win. Google has to show you. Right. Because that, that's the thing, isn't it? Like there are so many people who are trying to beat Google and trying, and then Google changes on a on a whim. Oh, they have and, 600 changes a year. And you're stuffed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's been there's been some very notable cases of some massive brands being punished by Google. Yeah. Um, Rico, BMW, uh, Interflora. But it didn't... And, and all of these brands were thrown out of Google for breaking their terms of service, basically trying to trick Google yeah. and Google found out. But it didn't take long for those brands to get straight back into Google when they said, oh, sorry, Google. <laughs> and they said, Maya Cooper, Maya Cooper. And they, they all got back into Google. Uh, but Google could not have left them out of the index yeah. because people are looking for those brands, Correct. right? Correct. So, you know, what we say to people is if you have that good user experience, so, you know, your site's fast, it's, it's not hard to use, 
you know, I, I can see the buy button if it's a shopping cart. Yeah. I don't get lost in the thing and all those. That's sort of met, sort of pretty much the fundamentals of SEO. Okay. And you get that stuff right, and then you make sure people are actually looking for you, talking about you. Um, then you you are going to get noticed, and Google's going to have to raise you up in the rankings. Okay. So how for a small to medium business, because a lot of the people who listen to this show are small to medium mm. business. How can you how can you do that? How can you in, improve your profile? How can you um, build that brand so that Google can no longer ignore you? Yeah. Well, what we tell people is to first of all think about who your primary buyer personas are. So these are the people. If you had to say an archetype of of who who your customers are, you usually for most businesses you might two or three different types. We've yep. got three, yep. where, and we call the the first ones Noah, and then we've got Ashley, and we've got Connor, and they all fit different uh, customer types that we, we are chasing. And probably our, you know, our most uh, important to us right now is the Ashley buyer persona. And that's someone who's an entrepreneur, uh, been in business for at least five years, is funded and looking to go global. Right. Cindy's he's got primary school age kids. Uh, so you, you put names to these buyer personas. Then once you can work who that is, who that ideal customer is, work out where they play online. Are they on Facebook? Are they on Pinterest? Are they on Instagram? Uh, are they on LinkedIn? Yeah. And then that's where you need to be as well. And right. that's where you need to be publishing content. That's where you need to be a thought leader, if you like, in those areas. And once you start doing that, people start talking about you. You get your brand out there. Uh, and then you, you are getting recognized and searched for within the right um, categories, if you like, or the right people are looking for you. Yeah, yeah. Hey, one of the things that, you know, when any of the conversations I've had with people about SEO is they're all like, what are the keywords I should use? What are my keywords? H- how do you know what your keywords are? Because it's, it's, mm. it's one of those... You can uh, be too close to it. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Mm-hmm. I had someone who said uh, to me once, I want to, inv- I want to rank for uh, EVP. And I said, what does that stand for? And he said, employee value proposition. I said, now what's typing that into Google? <laughs> Are you insane? So I did some research on it, and the only people that were typing EVP into Google were people looking for electronic voice phenomena. Um, so <laughs> we tell people to stay away from jargon. Yeah. Uh, one of the things, if you're just trying to work this out, just trying to feel your way, just say to people, hey, if you were looking for a site like mine, what would you type into right. Google? Because people get hung up on their brands or the words they like or whatever, and and that's all about them. It's not about their customer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah? Sometimes they say to me, "Oh, I'm already number one in Google," and I'll say, "For what? Oh, I'm I'm number one." And I say, but "Yeah, but for what?" Yeah. And they don't they don't actually know. Right. Um, and what we tell people is is that you know if you're a real estate agent in Mount you don't want to uh, rank for real estate. Yeah. You want to rank for four bedroom brick veneer Mount Eliza. You know that's that's. That's where you need to be. So one of the questions we say to people, yeah, if you're looking for product or service like mine, what would you type into Google? Right. And that will, like when I first started out, I thought, oh, appear on the first page of Google. That's 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 what I want. Then someone else come up to me and say, oh, I would have just put how to get to number one in Google. I went, oh, yeah, that's a much better idea. <laughs> so sometimes it can be, but there are tools that you can use, yeah, like yeah. free tools, like Google Trends is a free tool. Um, Google Search Console is a free tool mm. which will give you ideas for what you're actually already ranking for but maybe you didn't even know. How important are hashtags? Like today for the Byte Convention, we've got hashtag BiteCon2018. How important are, are hashtags for your social media presence and the trending of hashtags? I, I think they're really important if you are trying to be part of a discussion and part of a conversation. So, for instance, if uh, I, I'm always involved in um, 
in retail discussions uh, on Twitter, on Facebook, and it just helps people find those topics. So, and that basically that's what a hashtag does. You can click on it, and you can find everybody else who's talking about that thing. So, I, I certainly do that with uh, advertising discussions on those different mediums. Yeah. I follow the hashtags. I use the hashtags. Uh, yeah, so fantastic. Hey, Jim, thank you so much for dropping by and giving Thanks, us those Warwick. pearls of information. If people want to get in touch with you and find out more info, how can they get in touch with you? Uh, just head to stuartmedia.com.au or uh, head to my YouTube channel, uh, which is just youtube.com forward slash jimboot. Fantastic. Hey, thanks for your time today. Thanks, Warwick. Joe Brownlee from Future Perspective. Welcome, Joe. Thank you. Now, Future Perspective, interesting name. What do you do? We help businesses uh, submit tender applications right. and grant applications yep. and all those related services. So it might be uh, needing to describe their business in the words of their client. Right. So quite often businesses want to talk from their perspective, yeah, but you yeah, actually yeah. need to sell <laughs> what the client wants to buy. Okay. And then you need to be known and trusted. And right. it's And it's that process of gathering up all your language and demonstrating that you're known and trusted. Okay. So let me go back. When when we talk tenders, there's some of us who think, ooh, chicken tenders, yummy. Uh, so just explain to me a little bit, what's a tender? So that's the, the government and the corporate language of how how they buy things right. from smaller businesses. So it's essentially they're going, so they're saying, I want three quotes. And so you're essentially yeah. putting in a quote, but with a bit of a detail in yeah. the format that they want. So if you're talking about, the, say, the Victorian government, yeah. usually three quotes is a lower level, right. uh, a lower price point yeah. in that whole procurement journey. Right. So you might need one, t- one quote, you yeah. might need three quotes, yeah. you might need to go to full market. And going to the full market is a tender. Okay. So that's like we want someone to, I don't know, build the Monash Peninsula Link Freeway. Yes. So we need to get a tender for that. Yes. Okay. And that's open to anybody to yes. put in their application. Correct. Yes. So your business is to help whoever wants to do that yes. to word it in yes. such a way that they will be considered. Yes. yes, exactly. And so one example, one of the uh, participants here today yeah. and one of the smart business solution clients is Peninsula Electrical. Right. And uh, they've put in a tender response to Monash University. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so it's about me working with that business. They understand their business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's a matter of pulling together all that supporting documentation okay. to sell their story as best as possible so yeah. that they can then provide the services and win the contract. Because that's the thing with businesses. We get very excited about our own stuff and we basically want to say how good am I look at my stuff isn't this amazing and that's not the best way to win a tender is it it's uh, very much following the, the process and yeah. so quite often for, for big corporates it might be uh, southeast water it might be Monash University it might be the Victorian government yep. it, it might even be a research and development tax incentive application Answer the questions that are before you yeah. and give your best answer and, and then work with experts that have been there before. And, and that's what you were saying before is and use the customer's language, not yours. So yes. give them what they want. So it's that you, you, you're almost sort of answering that question, that perennial question, what's in it for me, and talking about in their language how you're yes. going to make the client look really good. Yes. Well, it's almost like the opposite of an ordinary marketplace in a way is because isn't it somebody saying, this is what I want, yep. and then... You as a supplier saying, I can give you what you want, rather than I've got something to sell. Yes. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's slightly turned on its head, isn't yes. it? Yes. yes. And so it's the, the big step of saying, how, how do I become a part of the government solution? 
are my risk practices in good shape? Are my safety practices in good shape? Do I know how to provide quality service? Can the government rely on me to do my part of that yeah. service so that they can sign off on their risk and their compliance? Right. Uh, so you, you said one of the key things is to make sure we, we're using whoever's put the tender out using their language. What are some of the other big uh, stumbling blocks that your clients have come across? Uh, well, well, maybe not your clients because you've fixed them, but before they come to you, what are the, what are the big stumbling blocks when, when applying for tenders? Uh, the pricing point, I think, is always an interesting one, and pricing is always back to the business owner. I, I never influence their pricing. I, I think that's something every business needs to know. Are they going to be a loss leader? Are they going to deliver at cost? Are they going to make a profit? And that's very much a personal decision for the business. Yeah. Um, And that needs to fall in line with their strategy, their overall strategy within their business. But also going pretender, if you want to be your next best you, you need to be seeking those next best tenders. Yes. And and it's how to make sure the tenders you go for actually line up with where you want your business to be. Right. And so every step forward is a step towards you being your next you. And, And so how to identify those tenders that are there for you to help you transition from who you are today into who you who you want to be wow. into the future and that's how to a, how to take that next that's step. That's a great and positioning to be the best future you. Yeah. Mm, so, isn't it? so where do you find the tenders? Like I know sometimes you'll open the age on a Thursday, I think it is, and yeah. there's tenders in there. But, all but, online these days, oh, isn't right. it? All oh, online. I'm old school. No, they're, the they're, they're, they're the, no, of course, there's still some in the newspaper. But uh, so, so if you're after particular companies, yep. tenders, you go onto their website. Right. Or if you want government, you can go on to individual state governments, you can go on to the tender aggregation websites. Right. And that's where I like working with people, like them identifying the tender they want to win or a business they want to work with. And then you can sometimes just pick up the phone to that organisation and say... I'm interested in the contract. Let's go back to the electrical services again. Yeah. I'm interested in providing you electrical services maintenance contract. When is your contract up for renewal? Yeah. And then you can then ready your own business and get all your paperwork in order that when that tender finally comes out to the marketplace, you're, good to go. you're in a good position. Because quite often it can take you a, a, a long, slow, nice journey of 12 months to do all your planning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in readiness for when that tender comes out, you've got four weeks to respond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Four weeks to respond is very short and if they, you don't know what you're saying. And they have a lot of technical... <laughs> Which is where you come in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. And they have a lot of technical information that they want as well yes. that you've got to collate yes. very, very quickly. Yes, and, the, and if your house is not in order, <laughs> they don't want you to win the contract and, and you probably don't want to win the contract either because it's too stressful. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. being okay. ready. So, and you talk, the other thing that you do is grants um, or grants, depending what part of the world you're from. Um, so with the grants, what's the difference between a grant and a tender and do you approach them the same? Um, grants are quite often on a smaller scale or they might be for the community sector. Right. And uh, the, um, the grants... Yeah, um, I, I need to rephrase. So uh, I tend to work with tenders rather than grants. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but ten, uh, grants are there for a, a smaller price point and therefore, you know, the amount of work may not be as profitable for a person such as myself to yeah, provide yeah, yeah. a service because the value of the grant, if it's only five or $10,000, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I must 
to be ethical and moral and to, to satisfy my business soul, I must provide enough value to my clients yeah. in order that I know I'm helping with a return on investment. If I can't deliver a return on investment, yeah, not worth I don't want to charge yeah, them. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Sally, what's your experience with grants being the artistic guru that well, you that's, are? Well, that's where I uh, actually understand it. I, uh, tenders are... Um, um, I'm not au fait with it at all. But, of course, it's very similar um, psychology, I guess, that, that is part of it, which is how why I understood how it, it was like roles reversed. Mm. Because basically you've got somebody outlining in the first place what it is that they want. And, and I know that you always have to go back to that wording of that yes. document and actually be answering the questions that they are that they are asking. Yeah. It's kind of like answer, you know, an essay at school in a way. You're having to go back to the question because so often I think we all, as you said before, get so carried away with how great we are at something that, yeah, you, yeah. that you lose sight of the fact that that's not actually what they want. <laughs> they actually want somebody to do something else. And yeah. so so just that process of, of recognising it and yes. the idea of being able to go and have somebody actually help me do it in the future it's rather exciting although I don't think it's going to be in your interest (laughs) (laughs) it's probably fair to say that with a grant it's all about uh, applying to the government to get money and with a tender it's you're applying to private uh, uh, corporations or government to provide a service Service. to get the money so yeah yeah Excellent. Yeah, terrific. Uh, Joan, thank you so much for, for popping you. in and having a bit of a quick chat with us. If people want to find out more about uh, Future Perspective, how can they get in touch? Yes, yeah, certainly via the website at futureperspective.com.au. Yep. And uh, a Mornington-based business, but certainly work in the city with bigger firms. Yeah, great. And uh, whether it be on the side of government and corporates or whether it be on the smaller businesses wanting to, to subcontract through. So. Yeah. Available for everyone, but if just to reiterate that key message of make sure you answer the question, yeah. each and every question, not the ones you choose to answer, but all questions in your tenders and grant applications, that's certainly a beautiful because start. Because there's a reason they've asked the question, and <laughs> yes, if you don't pay is. attention, you're out of there. Yeah. Wonderful. Terrific. Excellent. Joe, thank you so much for your thank time. You. Is it a bit of fun for yeah, you? Yeah, Oh, great we fun. love it. Yeah. Awesome. Hey, we're here at the Bike Conference in the Mornington Race Course. You're on RPPFM. Life is good. I've got Dr. Ben Cavosso, if I Perfect. Saying with us today. Uh, and you've just published the Life C- CEO book, mm. uh, which is fantastic. Now, um, I'm having a bit of a look through here and having a look at some of the different content. There's some great stuff. We're going to talk about it in detail. But the one that's just jumped out at me and um, <laughs> originally Ben's like, ooh, maybe we won't talk about that, but I'm going there. The Triune of Tone. Now, this is under uh, Part 5, Step 3, so if you want all the details, you're going to have to look at the whole book. Which I'm, I'm going to read the tagline of the book oh, first, because I think people need to know a l- just yeah, yeah, a please tiny frame bit it up more. For us, Sally. Um, Life CEO, this book that Dr. Ben Cavosio has written, says, um, take charge and start doing your life's work, not your busy work. So, so tell, explain that to us. So many of us go through our days and we finish our day feeling busy. You know, we're busy dropping the kids off and busy going to work and busy zipping out for some lunch and busy picking the kids up, busy getting dinner ready and busy putting the kids to bed. Our life is busy, it's full, but we're unfulfilled. Mm -hmm. So the book's really about how you can take charge because many of us believe that, that that is outside of our control. And I believe that it is in within our control. It's within our control to actually do our life's work rather than our busy work. So the book's really a five-step process about how you can take charge again and, and go through life feeling fulfilled. Because technology's really made us feel a lot busier as well, hasn't it? Absolutely. It's filled in absolutely every gap. It does, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. That's the problem. So yep. we have no space 
there's no quiet space for actually for us to actually sit and actually think what do we really want and many of us don't want the quiet because we're scared to go there and think about what we might really want yeah 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 all right so before we get into the triune of tone give us the the five you said it's a five-step process so give us the five steps so always we start with purpose you know what's really important what do you really really want what's your mission your vision how do you want your life to actually turn out and that requires some quiet space to sit and actually think about once you because i was going to say that one uh, it's like People will ask themselves that question and go, oh, it's too hard, and run away and go, oh, I don't know, and just go, the, I don't know, full stop. Not like, I don't know, so let me spend some time to find out. So, how, and I'm, I know I'm cutting you off and getting very excited, but <laughs> you how, do you, how do you find out that purpose? How do you, how do you seek out that, that, what am I on this planet for? Usually it's about asking better questions. Right. You know, quality questions, and I have a whole section in my book about that. It's important to ask quality questions of yourself, and you can do that yourself, or, you know, get a coach, get a mentor, get, get someone that's going to ask you to raise your standards. So when you do say, I don't know, he says, but what if you did know? Mm. Let's go there. Let's go and play in that space. It's knowing yourself. Isn't it's it? getting is to it? know yourself. Mm. Socrates, know thyself. Know thyself. Yeah. So, so step one is really get to know thyself. What do you yeah. really, really want? Step two is then to create some plans around that. So how would that translate? If if that's what you really wanted, if that's what you wanted your life to be about, create some plans around that, some detailed plans, set some goals. But then the third step is the most important, and that is determine your personality. Who do you need to become? What's the character? What's What's the ethos? What's the culture of who you need to actually be? Is that is that in context of what what it is that you need to do, or yeah. is that really more inward about who am, who am I really? Yeah. Well, who do I need to be? Who do I need to be when I'm talking to you? The character, the kind of person I'm being yeah. now, is the guy on radio person, which is different. I've got to say to the person when I'm in bed with my wife tonight, which I will be hope different. So. Oh. I'm glad about that. <laughs> which will be different from when I woke up my kids this morning. Which yeah. will be different when I need to have a business meeting. Yeah. So the kind of person I need to become. You know, we've got a, a, uh, a Land Rover Discovery. And like many four-wheel drives, they've got one of those selector dials. You know, when you turn the car on, it's in road mode. It's in the kind of standard setting. But if you go to the snow, you can turn the dial to snow setting. Yep. So we have that dial within us. You know, often my clients say, I just want to be me. And I say, well, you can be anything you want to be. This is the character. Who you need to be with me is different to who you need to be with someone else. So um, recognising the personality, the person we need to become, to fulfil that mission, that vision. So with that personality, though, even though it flexes, there will be some core elements that stays the same. There's so a default setting. Whether you're here with me, whether you're with your kids, your partner, your business colleagues, there will be certain elements that are going to be to the core of who you are, essentially your core values, yeah? Yeah, Absolutely. your moral compass. Yeah, Absolutely. for sure. But there'll be just tweaking as to, you know, for example, you know, I can put on the radio voice and be here we are on radio, but even though it's still my voice, but it's got that tweak. So you're talking about there are, there are elements that are constant, but you can tweak it depending on the circumstance you're in. Absolutely. The discovery's a discovery. It's not a Ferrari. It's, you know, there's a... It's the kind of car, but I okay. can change the setting. Yeah, great. Yeah, cool. All right. So, uh, look at your personality. Yeah. Is so, personally, get clear on that. Yeah. So, and that's uh, all those first three steps we can do in an armchair. Yes. But eventually, the world has to change, and so the fourth step is then productivity. And so, when you've done those first three steps, you know how you need to deploy the assets, the assets of time and money and energy, and importantly, sanity, so that you finish the day feeling productive, not busy. Mm-hmm. And you know it's productive because you've got the fifth step, which is you've got profit. That is, 
your bank account is fuller, your business is, is making more money, but your relationship's better at the same time. Your health is better at the same time. You're profitable in your life. That is, you're better and the world around you is a better place. Okay. Cool. Uh, and so this is going to apply so no matter what your business are, whether you're an artist, because mm-hmm. Sally, you'd hang out with the artist, because there are some artists who love doing what they do, but they're not fulfilled, yeah? Well, it was interesting, actually, because we were just talking off air a moment ago about that very thing, and I, I was saying that it's really, it is really interesting that a lot of artists actually feel like they are not very good at business, mm-hmm. or they're frightened of business, actually, because they feel that they, they can't do it. And um, Ben was saying, uh, it's interesting but that, that probably people that work like that have slightly more uh, skills about knowing themselves. And mm. So they've, they've kind of got that Am I am I am I right about um, the the culture of themselves is probably a little bit better, but their business skills are not, and really they probably ought to have a bit more confidence about right. it. Because a, a little secret for your art friends, yes. there's a lot of business people who don't think they're very good at business as well. They really don't, and it's like they might be good at what they do, yep. but the act of running the business they're not as good at. So, and I think is that fair to say that for all people you'll have areas of strength that you know are good, but there's other areas, maybe support areas, that you're sort of like, you'll do it, but you question yourself all the time about, how good am I doing this? Yeah, that old imposter syndrome. So the book... They were talking about that. In fact, Lance Burdett, who was ju- just talking... The Crisis says, Negotiator. The yeah. Crisis Negotiator. He was fabulous. He was he was talking about the imposter. Because so, the book took 70 days for me to write 85,000 words. Wow. But then seven months... <laughs> <laughs> to finally get it out. Right. Because, uh, you know, I go, oh, 22, chapter 22, I'm not sure. And, oh, I'm not sure. You know, there was a lot of, you know, procrastination before it finally went to print. And I coach on the subject, uh, but, yeah, it still took me uh, seven months to get it out. Now, we also had an interesting conversation, which I would quite like to bring up too, which was how you came to, to do, how you became a coach in the first place. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a very interesting progression, actually, to actually realise that you had been you had been coaching all along in the mm-hmm. first place, and it, mm-hmm. it, it took a moment. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so look, just to zip back really quickly, when I went to university, I appointed myself seminar liaison coordinator. So I would coordinate between seminar and providers of workshops, etc., and the students in exchange for free tickets. Right. And so for five years at university, uh, while I was getting my degree, I also attended a lot of personal development and business management seminars. So when I graduated, you know, I was omnipotent, all-knowing. Of course, not. we all are. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's funny that the older you get, the less you realise you know. Correct. Oh, yeah. awful. I, I look back at how I was coming out of university. and I'm like, oh my god, I'm embarrassed as to who I was. <laughs> I sort of like walked into a job. Why am I the CEO yet? Exactly. Um, but it started me on that journey of personal development, and so. For many years, I've been giving people advice. They'd come to me, seek advice on what they needed to do in all sorts of different aspects. Anyway, my beautiful wife had been at me for years about, stop doing advice for free. You know, you could get paid for this. Anyway, long story short, I ended up owning a radiology company, which I eventually sold. Two weeks later, someone rang me and said, could you give me some advice? We're opening another clinic. And I could hear my wife's voice. And I said to the guy, look, great, we probably just need a couple of hours. Uh, Monday next week's fine. Uh, I'm 150 bucks an hour. He said, great, I'll see you Monday. And I hung up and went straight into my wife and said, guess what? I've got my first paying gig. Uh, that was about five years ago. Fantastic. And uh, then the rest is history. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Yeah, but it's also recognising what it is that you do, isn't it? Because yes. it, it, that was, it was kind of profound. I mean, you've made glib of it in some respects, but actually realising that you are doing something really well and it does deserve to be paid for. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and I think, too, we need to listen to the people that champion us. You know, my wife has always been an incredible champion for me and, and always asked me to raise my standards. And I think we need to seek those people out in our life, people that say, man, I, I really believe you could do better. Mm. Um, and she was that for me. So. Yeah. And, and I think it's important to not only recognise that what we do, but recognise that what we do has value. And it has value that other people are prepared to pay for, be it doing what you're doing in the coaching or whether it's as an artist or whether it's as a business owner, that there is true value in it. And too often we will undersell ourselves. Like the number of times you might have said, oh, it's 150 bucks. And they went, oh, yeah, no worries. And you think, oh, I should have made it 250 bucks because we don't realize how valuable some Mm. of the the, the advice Mm. we're offering. Hey, I'm really interested. I want to get back to the triune of tone. Now, this is oh, under yes. step three, under mm. deciding who you are. What's a triune? Yeah, what? T- talk to me about what is the triune of tone. I told you we weren't meant to go there. I know, <laughs> but I like to break rules. So step step three was about getting your personality right. And the right. triune of tone is about how you can manage your state, who you are. And there's three key factors. First of all, it's what you focus on. It's where you put your attention will change your state. You know, if you put your attention on all the things that are great in your world your state's more likely to be better and up. If you put your attention on the things that suck, then your state's not going to be so good. So focus is the first step in the triune. The second part is language. You know, I said before, quality questions. It's important that we ask ourselves quality questions. Instead of saying, you know, why does my life suck? Or, you know, why is the weather no good? Or crappy questions. We need to ask quality questions like, why am I so lucky to be on the radio with these two incredible characters? Um, Quality questions. This language is important. And then... Thirdly and importantly, your physiology, how you look after your body, how you hold yourself. Um, there's a great uh, great guy, Jordan Patterson, I think his name is. He's written a book called The Twelve Laws of Life, something like that. Chapter one is stand up straight. Mm. We know that physiology, how you hold yourself, has a huge influence on your tone, on your state. And then, not really part of the triune, but an overriding component that doesn't necessarily determine your state but can influence it, is your environment. And so I, I think it's it's topical that we're, we're talking about this here because this environment at Byte Conference is an environment that's going to support business owners in being in their best state. Mm. Yeah. Um, I did a, a post just recently and I was sitting in my car about to go to a meeting and I did a post about how I'd been putting so much effort into developing other people's personality I'd forgotten for a short period to do mine. <laughs> and so I was going to this meeting purely to hang out with some people to have them rub off on me, to influence my environment. Mm. So trying to tone is, is focus, language, and your physiology, but also remember that environment is also important. Okay, fantastic. Um, yeah, I, I love the concept of um, who you spend time with is who you become, and and it really is being able to rub off on that. And that talks about you know your focus being around the gratitude. That's why I'm a huge fan of the gratitude because it's there's always two ways to see, or well, more than two ways, but there's always different ways to see stuff. So. That's, that's awesome. Hey, um, if people want to find out more about the book or find out more about you, Ben, how can they get in touch with you? Look, probably the easiest thing to do is just go to lifeceo.com. Excellent. Uh, that'll take you to the book page, and you can find out more about me there. Um, you can actually download the first 40-something pages of the book, which is really the gist of the book, dare I say, So, and you can actually download that for free. Excellent. So go and get the first 40-something pages. That extra something really makes the difference. I and find. you don't need to be uh, wanting to be a CEO, presumably, no. to read this book. You want to take charge of your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be your yes. own life's yes. CEO. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And take charge and start doing your life's work, not your busy work. Mm. Yeah, that sounds like Love good it. That's a good title. Awesome. Hey, Ben, thank you so much for being with us Pleasure. on the show today. Thank you. Uh, all part of the Bite Conference here at Mornington Racecourse. We're going to go to a break. We'll be back shortly.
James Birchick from The Foundry here in Frankston. Welcome, James. Thanks, Warwick. Hey, yeah, it's, uh, thanks for having me. No, no worries at all. Hey, so tell us a bit about The Foundry. What is it? Where is it? What does it do? That's it. The Foundry, the Frankston Foundry. Um, we're, you know, Frankston's first and, and premier co-working space, business hub and startup, uh, startup uh, incubator for... Right. Businesses, you know, all the way from, you know, uh, solo entrepreneurs or freelancers all the way up to kind of like small and medium-sized teams. So it's a perfect fit for somebody looking to kind of like step their business up a bit, get out of the house. Yeah, okay, so get out of the spare room yeah. and then be surrounded by others in that innovative space. Get is a bit it of just a synergy. space? Is that what it is? Is it a space or is it um, is there mentorship that goes on with it as sure. well? So, I mean, we've got things in the pipeline that are coming kind of like uh-huh. later in the year and for the future uh, years, at, you know, like uh, next year ahead. But um, traditionally, like, what we are traditionally from the start is if you think of a serviced office being at the top and you think of like working at home in a home office at the bottom, we're like smack bang in the middle. Right. So it's sort of kind of like that level where, you know, you've got, you know, loud kids or annoying cats <laughs> at home and you can't get any work done or you can't motivate yourself to get off the couch on a Tuesday afternoon because you don't have a meeting. Yeah. So and there's being, something really good on TV. That's it, yeah. <laughs> or, or, or nothing really good on TV, but you don't really care because you haven't got a meeting, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, the idea of being able to feel motivated and work your best work yeah. while you're around others working their best work. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we've moved out of the office. We're no longer in the cafe. Yeah. And we're now in our own space. That's right. And we're rubbing shoulders with other people who may be on a similar path or who may be doing something a bit different, but they're in that... That uh, uh, that early startup or energetic kind of phase. That's it. Like what we find is that people can use the foundry uh, as a new sort of image to their business. They need somewhere which is more professional than like you know being at home and having yeah. a meeting on the phone. You know, it's it's a place that they can bring their clients if they need a meeting room or a boardroom, or it's a place that you know they can swap work with others in the space. So yeah, you yeah. know, for example, I'm a software developer by trade. But, right. You know, if I need like a copywriter or a graphics artist, I. There are, you know, there are a plethora of people in there that I know how good their work is. So yeah. I feel confident about saying, "All right, let's get together and do something." Great. Mm, this Fantastic. is a new phenomenon, isn't it? Or I mean, in the last, in the yeah, yeah like, the last five years, relatively. That's it. Like five, six years. Like you know, we look at now. Um, you know, there are there are a few hundred co-working spaces Australia-wide. Um, with a general concentration around major capital cities. But, you know, the position that, you know, Cameron, my co-founder, and myself here in Frankston's, I live in Seaford, Cam moved to Frankston South, and we're like, well, where are we going to work? I've got kids on the way, which have now both arrived. And Cam... That's nice of them. Yeah, that's it. Oh, yeah, that's it. Cool. <laughs> so, um, two-year-old at home and a five-and-a-half-week-old at home. Hey, Sorry. congratulations. Hey. You don't look tired at all. Oh, no, not at all. Now, usually he shaves, but he hasn't got around to it. Right. That's it. But, you know, like, it's... Uh, it's just the perfect place to work when yeah. you can't work from home. And so the foundry really was built out of a necessity yeah. for myself and Cam. And yeah. now we're like, okay, well, everybody else also needs this too. Yeah, so. yeah. And it, because there is a lot more, the workforce has changed going from job to a lot more subcontractors or part-time workers. So there is that need for, I need a professional workspace. Yeah. So what sort of businesses have you got in at the foundry? Sure. So we've got a whole mix. So like I said, software developers, we've got web designers, graphics artists, visual designers, Mm -hmm. um, copywriters, all the way to um, one of our members, one of our founding members actually uh, runs a company called uh, Double Up Australia or DUP Wakeboards. So he actually designs, manufactures and distributes wakeboards globally. So he's in and out of Hong Kong and China, but, you know, he's got his, you know, his operational you know, he does his office work there and he's got his media teams that come in for meetings and do all this sort of stuff. So it's really a mix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong, there's a lot of technology-based kind of organisations. Is that accurate? Yeah, um, 
I mean, when we look at business these days, we think like, okay, cool. Well, this guy is a graphics. Uh, this this person might be a visual designer. This person yep. might make websites or do uh, digital marketing. But really, digital marketing is just you know a form of marketing, which is a form of you know getting your business addressed out there. It's a service, right? Yes. So um, we are home to a handful of like kind of smaller accountancy kind of firms, like partnered firms. Yes. You know, like one or two people that are actually you know running their own accounts and stuff. So. Yeah. Yeah, tech flavor, but I mean, everybody's using tech, right? Yeah, like, yeah. You know, um, it's really got to do with service delivery, how people actually can reach their customers now, as opposed to saying, I, uh, you know, I'm a mechanic, mm. um, which is totally different. You know, you can't, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. you're not going to work in an office. You mentioned incubator before. Is that is, is this an area that you want to move into? Uh, so we look at the foundry now as like a space that is an incubator in the sense that businesses come or businesses can establish themselves because the entry level, the barrier to entry is so much lower. Like Mm. it's not working from home, which is arguably, you know, you're already paying to work from home, but it's also not, you know, spending three grand plus outgoings a month on a commercial premises and trying to make things work. You know, you come to the foundry, you've got internet, you've got coffee machines, you've got meeting rooms. And I'm assuming, you know, you have different service offerings in terms of you can rent a desk, you can rent a cubicle, you can rent an office kind yeah. of stuff, yeah? That's right. So it's all based on membership models. It's right. not like long-term leases uh, or short-term leases. It's, it's, it's really just a matter of saying, cool, well, I need 24-hour access and I love working at 2 a.m. on a Saturday morning because I work for myself. So yeah. I'll do a full-time desk and that works for me. Yeah. Or, you know, some are, so, you know, some of our other members, you know, they've got family commitments or they've got young kids and, you know, they know that they run and operate their business a couple of days a week. Yeah. So, you know, um, a part-time option or a casual option works better for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, do you have an upper limit? So it's like, okay, your business is now at three people. That's enough for us. We don't have the space. Sure. So we've got a handful of private offices that are suited for teams of three or four. Yeah. So we can actually fit, you know, like in the space itself. Um, yeah. You've got, you know, de- like we provide them fully furnished or blank canvas. Yeah. So there are self-contained private offices, which provide you that next set up from, you know, being a solo or a team of two where, yeah. you know, you can feel comfortable about maybe being a creative agency or a digital agency where you might have like, you know, a developer, a designer, a copywriter and another person. Mm. And um, the good thing about that is that if you fill the office, but you need to, uh, you know, uh, scale up or scale down real quickly, then you can just like get another desk, yeah, yeah, get yeah. rid of a desk or get some day passes. So it's really flexible with pri- uh, with with, um, with team sizes. But yeah. again, you know, you start to get eight, nine, like you get to that upper limit where it's like, well, uh, let's the, just get an office. The economies of scale, but like, yeah, let's get an office. Yeah. yeah, yeah but yeah. again, it's not... Again, um, economies of scale with respect to uh, facilities. Yes. Um, but also that idea of saying, okay, if you're a small business growing into a medium business, it's about having proper culture as well. Yeah, so yeah, our yeah. focus with the Foundry, in addition to service offering, is to ensure that we're building first and foremost like a positive business culture, a positive supportive culture, which sees you know people feeling very confident about referring each other work or having a beer or a wine after work or yeah. coming to network nights or feeding back into that community. Yeah, yeah. For, for so you, you run network nights and, and have opportunities for people to, to cross-pollinate? Yeah, that's right. So monthly we do uh, our one of our flagship events, which is called Peninsula Startup Drinks. Yep. So it's just really basically an excuse for local business operators um, as well as members of the foundry um, yep. to register for free. Come yep. on down. We've got some drinks and some nibblies, and um, depending on you know the month and the topics, you know sometimes we have some members just talk about what their journey has been really quickly, what their path might be, um, you know other partners in the space, um, and just you know just have a look at what people are doing and just meet other people in the in the yeah. region. 
So what's next for the foundry? Are you planning to expand and have more space and better service offerings, or are you going to focus on providing more services to who you've already got? We're really happy with the service offerings that are immediately presented. We would love to expand. Yes. Um, for us, we've been in our key street. Like, you know, the Frankston Foundry's been around for a year and a half. Yeah. You know, a year and a half, two years. But we've been in our current space that we fit out only for a year. Right. You know, so we took out the lease in uh, Key Street. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, it was, was vacant for five, six years prior to that. So we did a full fit. So, you know, we put in meeting rooms and we ripped everything out, new lighting. So yeah, for yeah, us, yeah. Um, you know, Capital Works is expensive. That's a big commitment. But um, for us, you know, we're not going anywhere. And we're also really excited about the, the proposition of expanding. Yeah. There are, you know, immediate opportunities. Um, we just kind of just need to go keep going up and to the right. That's our opportunity. <laughs> Fantastic. So if people want to find out more about the foundry or come and visit you, what, 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 where about tell you what, what's that, the details? That's it. So look, best best source of uh, best source of information is just to you know go to frankstonfoundry.com or yep. hit us up on Facebook. So we're just Frankston Foundry on Facebook. Everything's yep. there. Our upcoming workshops, events, our social posts, and um, anybody that's thinking of. Uh, you know, wanting to find out whether or not co-working or a shared office environment might work for them. Yep. Um, we're running a promo for um, Biconf where, yep. you know, people that are jump on our website, you can register for a free trial. Yeah. So, you know, you want to make sure that space is going to work for you. Yeah, for sure. So you jump on, you throw us your details, we'll get in contact and just come on down. You try it for a week, you try it for two weeks, we'll have a chat and we'll see what works for you. I awesome. love it. So I, th- I wish this had been around when I was a lot younger. I think I might have started a business. Well, you can even get down there now. Don't let, don't let age, as they say, if old age is catching up, go faster. Yeah, that's true. Hey, James, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Great Rory. to chat to you. Thank you, Sally. Yeah, great to meet you. Welcome back to Taking Care of Business. I know you would have loved that as part of our three-part series, The Best Bits of the Bike Conference. We really hope you've learned something new today and at the very least feel inspired. If you just joined us, you missed a lot. It was a great show. And the podcast, though, will be on the website on rlpfm.com.au. We look forward to your company next Friday, 11am, for another part of this three-part series of the best bits of Bike Conference. But in the meantime, you know what to do. Keep taking care of it.